Hi, glad you're with us. We have all felt the weight of what our states, cities, and communities are going through in the news and in social media in the wake of the tragic murder of George Floyd. And I don't know the right way to respond, but this feels like a historic moment that is bigger than us. So we at UTR Media want to readjust our plans to stand in solidarity and support of the African-American community. So this is a podcast special called Celebrating Black Lives. I'm Dave Trout, and let me make one thing clear. This podcast is an act of spiritual obedience. I'm not trying to act like we, UTR, are doing anything noteworthy. This is not to spike ratings and be, quote, relevant. I am not even going to look at the download stats. And we will not even ask for listener support for UTR on this show. This, my friends, is a celebration of diversity and our public cry for an end to systemic racism and police brutality. If you're not down with that, I suggest you change the podcast right now. <laughs> I, I hope you'll stick around for the journey because there's a lot to learn. And there's a lot to celebrate. I've got several songs picked out for the show. Uh, plus, we have some incredible interviews we want to share with you as well. Uh, we're going to start with a song that my friend Cindy Morgan just introduced me to yesterday. Um, it gave me goosebumps when I listened to it. This is the song Brother Open Up Our Eyes by Seth and Nerva featuring Gabriel. When I look into the face of my enemy, I see my Brothers, come on. 
such a good song. And uh, we're going to begin with a big, hairy question right at the top. Do we believe that all lives matter? And if so, why do we feel the need to say that black lives matter? Okay, yes, we do believe all lives matter. We believe in John three sixteen, where it says God so loved the world. That's not uh, just partitioned off to certain people groups. That's the whole world. We are all created in the image of God. So yes, every life matters, but... There is a time and place where we need to stand with those who are oppressed. In fact, in Jesus' very first sermon, really, it was, it was the first sermon after he was tempted in, in the desert, uh, he proclaimed good news for the poor, release for the prisoner, sight for the blind, freedom for the oppressed. Now, what about the people on the other side of the, that coin? What about the rich? What about the the jail owners? What about those who are cited? What about the oppressors? Does God love them? Does Jesus is Jesus going to soon die for them too? Yes, because all lives matter. But just like Jesus was teaching, we need to publicly stand with those who are marginalized because all human beings have intrinsic worth. And that's why we can boldly declare that black lives matter. In reality, it's not about a political statement, even a cultural movement. It's a spiritual question. Do you believe in the intrinsic worth of all human beings? And if so, then of course, black lives matter. Once we solve that problem, then we can move on to All Lives Matter. Amen. All right, it's time for our first interview guest, and I am so excited he could join us. Um, He's one of the most talented singer-songwriters that I know of. Uh, He had a few years as part of the Motown Gospel family. Um, He was on NBC's show The Voice last year. Um, and he was also a part of Escape to the Lake 2018, the last time we had Escape to the Lake. Uh, let's uh, tune into our conversation with Tallahassee, Florida-based recording artist Royce Lovett. Unfortunately, this has been just a tragic news week in terms of, you know... I mean, there's been a lot of good. There's been a lot of ugliness. There's, uh, it's hard to even sort of wrap our heads around it in some way. So let me just start by asking you just how are you processing um, just all the things that are going on really coast to coast right now? Um. I think I think the only answer to that is processing. <laughs> um, yeah, like con- continuing to think about it and be grateful for it. I have a lot of emotions. Like I'm, I feel grateful. I feel mad. I feel angry. I feel sad. I'm mourning. I'm proud, and I'm ready. And to be honest with you, it took um, the the death and, and the murder of. Um, Alton Sterling in Baton Rouge that brought me to tears, that brought me to an awakening. And it really sucks to say that it took a knee on the neck of George Floyd's neck to to shake the world, to be at a, a tipping point of 
something's wrong, obviously. And um, everybody wakes up at their own time. Everybody, um, things are revealed to people, you know, personally in different ways. And so I have a, tons of feelings, um, but I know what I'm good at. And I know that everybody has a role. And when you um, have a role, you have to stick to it and you have to shake off how you're feeling and you have to continue to move forward. Um, because although this is a, a scary time for some, a sad time for some, an angry time for some, um, and just a really confused, I don't know what's going on time for some, um, that all means change, that all means I'm uncomfortable. And when you're uncomfortable, you grow. So I don't think people should, um, should move, should try to put away these feelings of what's going on. Like get uncomfortable so you can grow. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I mean, you mentioned kind of your, your role. Do you feel pressure? Like you need to speak up, you need to say certain things, you need to, you know, represent a larger community. Where, where are you? I definitely think everybody has to take time for themselves to process. I think everybody has to take some time to figure out how they can refill themselves. Um, because it's everything is bigger than you. Everything is bigger than is, is bigger than me. And I do believe that everybody has a role to play and you need to play your role. The louder the voice is, the, the, um, that's when things happen. You know what I mean? Like PTA meetings at school, people, who have, people that have kids, you understand that if you want to see change, you have to make the school hear you. And if the school wants to see change, they have to make the, um, the school board hear them. And so, you know, it, it plays the same role in, 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 a, in every single way, you know what I mean? So is there pressure? Yes. Um, is there roles to play? And do I feel like I need to speak to a larger community? Um, yeah. Um, to add to that, what I've kind of learned that I'm good at, and I think just because of how my music tells stories and how my music um, and who my music delivers to, I've learned that I'm really good at talking about black issues to white people. And that's my role. And there's so many different things that people could have been doing to help. There's so many things that I could have been doing to help before 2015. Because 2015 is when I actually woke up. And so I'm trying to remind myself too, is that like people are still waking up to what's going on and they're trying to figure out what they can do to help. And we have to be patient and point them in the right directions to, um, to build this country that we love, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so two, two big issues I want to talk about. One coming up in a minute or two, is to talk about the white community and your thoughts about what we can do. But you did talk about your songs and how they speak into people's lives. Is there a particular song that you've recorded that you sense is poignant 
Yeah, there's a, quite a few songs that kind of come to head. Um, um, and songs that people have just kind of been texting me saying that they've been listening to. Um, Write It On The Wall um, is an older record of mine that um, takes the element of hip hop. And most people think I'm talking about like graffiti or writing on the wall actually. But when I wrote the song, it was actually talking about our Facebook walls, hmm. our Twitter walls. Um, and the lyrics say, um, you know, I see folks hurting, trying to find their way. Um, protect me. Um, the world's going out of control. Protect me. Um, the lyrics go further to say, um, gunshots, dream killing. We do hashtags and buy t-shirts and say it's over. The thing that we need to be saying and understanding and living out is God is love and love is real. And I think if we actually start thinking about those words, thinking about what love is, then it will remap the way we live our lives. And Martin Luther King said that the riot is the language of the unheard. And if you're not hearing me, then I'm angry. And that happens in every argument. We get upset inside our friendship arguments, our football team arguments, our marriage arguments, because you're not hearing what I'm saying. Lord, I pray that you keep me safe today. When the world is spinning out of control. Believe me, I know. Yeah. I see folks hurting, trying to find that. So how did we get here? Say we didn't know. Gunshot stream killing in the wars. We tweet hashtag buy a shirt and let it go. Uh, uh, uh. My tongue is my weapon and I'm bringing healing. It's sort of weird. I got you so dancing on the ceiling. High, you can fly if you catch the feeling. No life, there's a way and you willing, but you're not. And I wish you was. See the battle inside, no flesh and blood. We watch the news and still don't know what's up. We reaping what we sow, but never sowing love, love. Uh. The world is spinning, I get it. The love of money is tripping. They got us thinking we winning, but baby, we can change the world because we in it. Don't let them ever tell you that the sky is the limit. You're riding on the wall for everyone to see. It'll be a song of freedom. It'll be a prayer of peace. Oh, Lord. So the world is spinning out of control. 
message of hate is a crushing weight. And I don't want no more. I don't want no more, no. The blessing of grace is a healing rain. And it goes on and on. It goes on and on and on. See, God is love and love is real. No matter who you are or how you feel. So hold on, hold on. When the world is spinning out of control. So, you know, as, as weird and awkward as this is, I, you know, I think, I think I do represent a voice of the white community that, that has always been against racism, wants it to end, acknowledges that no matter what my desires are, there's prejudices in me that, that are systemic. I think that this is a time for me to recalibrate, repent, realign. Um, what is your hope for the white community? How do you want us to respond, especially those of us who want this to end? Some, some of us kind of just don't even know how to respond, don't know what to say, don't want to even get in the way sometimes. Yeah. So what's your word for us? The first thing I would say is we do not need or want you to feel guilty. The minute you feel guilty, you stop helping. That's for anybody. Because you feel like it was you, you feel like it was personal. Take it away from that. It is in the fabric of the nation. And that's where everyone needs to devote their energy. This nation was founded by insecure people who put their knees on the necks of uh, the black community to build the nation. That is what we need to be focused on. The minute that you feel guilty, the work doesn't get done. So that's the first thing, don't feel guilty. I'm not talking about you, I'm not talking about your family. Second thing is to use your privilege to stand and get in the way. Use your privilege to stand and get in the way. I tell a very quick story. Um, while I was on the Jeremy Camp tour, um, I became very good friends with um, Sean Groves, a really cool thinker. He lives in Nashville. Um, you guys should possibly connect. Um, he came to me and asked me my black story, which was interesting because no one's ever asked me that. And it actually made me think. The reason why he came to me and asked me that black story is because he just had 
adopted a brown-skinned boy from India, but he's a brown-skinned boy. And he's realizing that there's, there might be something I need to be teaching him that my white kids never needed to know. And that was a mission of, I see where the privilege comes into play. We talked. Later during the tour, um, the show two days after the 2017 elections, uh, presidential elections, in a church lobby, I was confronted with racism. Um, the man made some very racist comments. Um, him and his wife laughed. Um, they weren't said in silence. They weren't whispered. Um, it was at my CD table after the show. And I nodded and, and laughed it off. A Puerto Rican friend of mine could, said he could see the hurt and even him, a brown-skinned person, was like, I felt like you couldn't say anything and I didn't know what to say either. Um, later that night afterwards, um, I spoke to Sean about this. Not in a way of anger and not in a way of you see what happened. I was just talking about this experience. Um, so. What I'm saying is that when I was speaking to him, it wasn't, that's why I was speaking to him in a way of like, this is every day. You know what I mean? I had to laugh it off. I couldn't confront the person's racism inside a church lobby because to be honest with you, I didn't really feel comfortable and safe that, that I wouldn't come off as the victim, that maybe I would come off as what did you do? Or what did you say? And, and maybe I would have a problem on my hands instead of someone defending me. And Sean did something. Every night after the shows, or any time I was standing at the CD table after that, he came and he stood by that CD table with me because he wanted to make sure that I felt like I had an ally that could have my back. So if something like that happened again, I could call out hate in its face. I think that is what the white community can white community can be doing is getting to know one first you have to know your brother and your sister you have to know where they are how they're doing where they come from their roots of what's hurting and what's happening and what needs to change if you want to know what's going to change and then you have to stand I appreciate that so much and the first time anyone's ever done that for me appreciate that so much and i hope i hope people that are listening really hear what i'm saying um that someone said you know what that was wrong that was racist and the only thing that i can think to do right now is i'm just going to make sure that if something like that happens again we're going to call it out and I'm gonna be there to call it out with you. And I'm gonna say it's wrong and you need to be removed from your position and such and such and such and such. The man that did that is actually a pastor. What I think the white community should be doing is not feeling guilty. Learning what needs to change because a lot of us don't know what needs to change. And that's gonna take getting to know your black brothers and sisters 
I know a lot of us say, oh, we have black friends, but think about it when you, when you say that, like who comes over and sits at your table? Who can change the temperature at your AC unit? Normally your friends that can go in your house and change the AC unit are very close friends. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. Organizations, churches, when you look around your board table, who is represented there that can go change the AC for the whole church building? Who is represented inside your small business, your startup, your company? If black people aren't represented there, then black people will not have any representation. Um, and then we have to get out and we have to stand. We have to stand on the street corner protesting with our brothers and sisters. We have to stand in writing our elected officials. We have to stand and knowing who we're voting for. You know, there's a scripture that tells us to like, sometimes, I forget where it is at the moment, but it tells us to treat the um, your your brother, your stranger, your foreigner better than yourself. Think of them higher than yourself. Do nothing with with vain or um, selfish intention. And so, you know, I was thinking about that, and I was just like, you know what? We need to call. We need to protest. I know there's there's moms out there that are like, I don't wanna to go to a protest with my kids. Um, that feels unsafe, they're trying to figure that thing out. That's great. Protest by writing letters and calling and standing and saying this is wrong. And so I think that is definitely um, a starting point. There's other things that you know white community can be doing to break um, uh, systemic, um racism um I, you know i just thought it was amazing there's uh, my sister-in-law online this young lady was saying hey i really want to know what to do i don't know what to do i've been doing this 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 and this this and this what else can i do to help and my sister-in-law said um it sounds like you've done a lot the other another thing that i think you could do is you could try to support black businesses possibly find a black bank and put your money into it. And hilarious, 30 seconds later, the lady says, OMG, never thought about that. Moving my money tomorrow. <laughs> I just really loved that there is a good path for social media. Because a lot of times you see social media as being, you know, fighting. But I think information and love can be shared through social media. Uh, definitely. If you need anything, um, any kind of support in any way, we, we are in your corner totally. So really, really thrilled that you were part of this. Thank you for having me, man. Appreciate it. Awesome. All right. We'll talk to you later. All right. Peace. Take care. Beneath me, but that ain't so.
God ain't worth believing And hearts are made for keeping But that ain't so Fear can be found in the heart of the proud Peace runs it out without making a sound so What makes the world, what makes the world, the world what makes the world keep spinning What makes it all, what makes, what makes it all, all What makes a life of good and now Makes the world go song it's called what makes the world it's from the project before the sun goes down from 2018 that is the new respects here on the utr media celebrating black lives special and this is not just a one-off thing for us we are celebrating diversity year-round at utr media you can look through our playlists and our programming and our podcasts and see that we are uh, intentional and will continue to be to incorporate diverse voices and people of color into the music that we curate because we just think that's really important we always have we always will but we think that a little extra attention right now on celebrating black lives is an important time just in this moment in history um so so thankful that royce lovett could join us um and i want to let you know that uh 
what you heard on the podcast today was actually only about 18, 19 minutes of uh, a longer 52-minute interview that we did. So we sort of trimmed some stuff just to kind of make it short and sweet for the audio version. But we actually have a video recording of the interview that we did. If you want to watch all 52 minutes, it's on UTR's YouTube page, and we will put a link to it directly in the show notes um, on this podcast episode. One other sort of special thing that we're doing for this moment in history is that um, we've been getting rave reviews and, and great responses from folks who have been enjoying our Song RX morning emails. It's uh, something that comes to your inbox each and every weekday morning. It's a song of the day and some spiritual reflections from myself and indie artist friends of mine. And uh, it's been um, just so much fun to do. Um, and we are going to exclusively feature African-American uh, creators and artists uh, for the next two weeks on Song RX. If you're not currently receiving that uh, email, you can sign up to UTR's email list on the homepage, utrmedia.org. And it is 100% completely free. We just send that as a gift and um, as a service uh, for your spiritual encouragement and edification. Well, we are so excited for what's coming up here in the second half of today's podcast special. Um, we're going to have some more hand-curated, thoughtful songs. Uh, also, we're going to be sharing a couple more interviews. Uh, we'll be talking with one of the leaders of Every Nation Music, Nashville-based singer-songwriter Justin Gray will be joining us. And we'll be talking to somebody near and dear to me who lives in one of the hardest-hit communities in the nation when it comes to rioting and looting. And that is my brother, Mike Trout, who lives in the Chicago North Lawndale community. We're going to check in with him and get some first-hand reports of what's happening in that area. So stick around for more of the Celebrating Black Lives special from UTR Media. This UTR Media podcast is brought to you by the new single by Texas-based singer-songwriter Paul Diemer. It's been a long road, the single, Running, by Paul Diemer, shares how changing our perspective can expand our horizons. When you're running on fumes, just trying to forget all the fears you fear haven't happened yet. It's been a long road, but you're running to redemption, yeah. Running, by Paul Diemer, is available now on Spotify and all music platforms. Did you know that UTR Media has three hand-curated playlists streaming now? The Heart, Soul and Mind playlist features over 4.5 hours of gourmet music from artists we love, new discoveries and rewind tracks. The Special Menu playlist is a timely and specially themed collection. And the 24 hours gourmet music is over 360 songs, literally 24 hours of UTR music. All three playlists are available now on Spotify, Amazon Prime Music, and at utrmedia.org.
Welcome back to the second half of the Celebrating Black Lives UTR Media Special. I'm Dave Trout, and uh, of course, this is not a live show, so you can't get um, in time, in real time feedback. But we're getting almost in real time feedback because we've been making some announcements the last couple of days about uh, this podcast being in production, and um, so just in the last hours or days, we've been getting notes like. Uh, Joel Mendez in Pennsylvania said, Thank you, UTR Media, for making a wonderful, sober, and spiritual response. Marge Gillies is a lady in her 80s in Illinois, and she said, I have admiration for the stand UTR is taking against bigotry and racism that is happening all over the place. And my friend Joe Cook in Florida, who is a part of the UTR panel of critics, He said, thank you. Good job taking a stand. This is one thing that I love about UTR Media. You did the right thing, and it's great that you are taking steps to do more to open people's minds. Thanks, guys, for sharing your thoughts. Well, let's begin the second half with a song, and one that will hopefully ruffle your feathers in all the right ways. If there was one song that I think epitomizes this moment, the moment we're in right now, This is that song, except this should even sort of give us goosebumps to think about this. The song was released four years ago, yet is just still so relevant and true and gut-wrenching. And I think we owe it our attention. This is Maybe Both by Show Baraka. It was hard to hear over the gunshots. I'm on my knees, I'm praying, I'm on my knees, but now I'm an easy target for them to attack me. Liberals and intellectuals justifying my anger, but when the cameras ain't here, they ain't nowhere near. Oh, so eloquent, watch them pontificate. When the smoke clears, the blogs rebuild real estate. You're sitting in your academic tower, tweeting around the hour while the poor fights the power. Oh, stop it, oh, stop it. You and your nonprofit with a heart full of promise based on bad economics. Put your ballot in the air, pull out a lighter, then burn it. We just give away votes, make them Democrats earn it. Politicians don't care because they don't see a need. They won't care until we bleed on the same concrete. We burning down the neighborhoods where we live at. If we don't own it, well, let's do something to change that. It didn't change Watts. It ain't doing much now. Watch the philosophers argue while Rome burns down. Bang, bang, bang. Bang, bang, bang. Reload the gun. They gon' do the same thing. Bang, bang, bang. Bang, bang, bang. Reload the gun. They gon' do the same thing. Uh, yeah. Is it a ballot or a bullet? Let me know. Should I fight or should I pray? Who's my foe? Are they killing with a pistol or a vote? Now I haven't caught the Holy Ghost yet. Sing a little louder, we could drown out the protest. Rebuild an antebellum, they too busy to listen. I hear disturbing things come from so-called Christians. 
quick to justify a man's death because of a criminal record or how a man dressed. Thugs, I guess, only perfect people get grace. If that was the Lord's way, there'll be no one in the faith. True flaw, America kills and hides behind the law. They purchase this land with violence, but never count the cost. Put a dollar to your ear, you can hear the moaning of a slave. America the Great was built off the labor that they gave. Jefferson and Washington were great peace pursuers, but John Brown was a terrorist and an evildoer. Oh, yes, God bless the American Revolution. But God ain't for all the riots and the looting. Bang, bang, bang. Bang, bang, bang. Reload the gun, they gon' do the same thing. Bang, bang, bang. Bang, bang, bang. Reload the gun, they gon' do the same thing. Is it a ballot or a bullet? Let me know. Let me know. Should I fight or should I pray? Who's my foe? Oh, Lord. Are they killing with a pistol or a vote? Oh, no. Or maybe it is both. Maybe it is both. Or maybe it is both. Or maybe it is both. Or maybe it is both. Maybe it is both. Maybe both. Before another man dies, another man dies. And another man cries, another man cries. The people ask why, the people ask why. What's your standard? Where you stand? What's your view? What gives you the right for you to think the way that you do? Is it school? Is it news? Is it man's wisdom? Is it religion? Why listen when you make your decisions? It's funny how some people, they see the Lord. Some see him as a pacifist. Some see him with a sword. The Lord who hated sin showed grace to the thief. Say the lowly prostitute for being stoned in the street. He was holy, but he hung with the simple. Drove the wicked out by flipping over tables in the temple. He took a wrongful death, and yet he remained silent. But he said he coming back, and he is bringing violence. Many people isolate him just to make him fit their cause. Never to involve the greater context at all. So are the two Christ totally unrelated? Or maybe it's one Christ, and he's pretty complicated. Huh? Pretty complicated. Huh? Or maybe it is both. Maybe it is both. Maybe both. Yeah, the one and only show Baraka with maybe both. You can find that on the 2016 project, The Narrative. I'm glad you're with us here on the Celebrating Black Lives special. Um, and the next artist that we are interviewing um, is actually a new to us artist. We just found this song that he released last week. Um, actually, shortly after the news came out of the murder of George Floyd. And uh, there's a video that goes with it that's really compelling. And we wanted to talk to him about this song, Black Boy Run. So we asked Justin Gray, who's the director of Every Nation Music out of Nashville, Tennessee. He's also a part of Common Hymnal. And we wanted him to tell us what was the thought process, the story, sort of the the message that he wanted to deliver with this song. Uh, really just trying to connect uh, my experience um, as a black man in America raising uh, kids and, and my hopes and exhortations for them. Um, really what this song is about is uh, just inspired by um, obviously the tragedy of the Ahmaud Arbery shooting. Um, a few days uh, after that, my um, oldest son was out 
uh, playing some pranks on some neighbors. And that's not something that we tolerate in our household, but I sat there and meditated on, um, you know, just the events of the Ahmaud Arbery uh, shooting and also what it, that could mean for him, you know, and, uh, running up to, you know, innocently, you know, running up to someone's door, ringing the doorbell and running, uh, the wrong doorbell, wrong place, um, that turns into a hashtag. And, um, and so really my heart was just to share uh, what it would mean for me as a father speaking to my son uh, in terms of him running. Not running out of fear, uh, not running out of anxiety, but running to the God that loves him. Um, running for the sake of, uh, of growing in his understanding of, of the world and the dignity that he has um, as, a, as a black man and as a human being before God. Um, not getting caught up in, in the, the motivation of, of spite or hatred, um, but really looking to dig deep into uh, what it means to, uh, to be a black man and to see those who are coming behind you and inspiring them uh, to live um, in relationship with one another in the world and really in uh, a healthy relationship with God. And so uh, that's just a little bit behind the story and the song. Um, I'm glad that you guys are sharing it. It's been really helpful in facilitating some meaningful conversations um, with my white friends and, and other people who've reached out to me via social media. Um, and so I hope it, it helps to provide some insight and some soul searching and reflection for uh, whoever comes across the song. And so uh, just thank you guys. God bless you guys. Thank you for uh, honoring me with the privilege of participating in on your platform and uh, what that may precipitate, you know, moving forward for your listeners, viewers, um, and those who engage in your community. So, um, again, if you want to follow me, I'm Justin Gray Songs, and uh, just looking forward to what comes out of this. God bless you guys. Run, black boy, run. Don't let him catch you. Don't let them stretch the truth about you You better run, black boy, run Don't let them change you Run to the light and he will save you Yeah Cause every time you stand your ground It's like the ground that you stand on Don't belong to you yeah. And when they try to buy your soul Let them know that there's no price Your story must be told And you're not letting go You better run, black boy, run Better run, black boy, run. Yeah. 
run to your maker He will tell you that your skin is sacred Yeah Just keep your eyes upon the sun Cause there's another boy that's running Trying to follow you And when this ugly race is done You will find a father's love You thought you'd never know And he won't let you go You better run, black boy, run The music video for that song uh, is footage of Justin Gray's children, really compellingly put together. It feels like just a slice of life. And uh, so we're going to link to that music video so you can watch it and re-listen to the song. Uh, It's going to be in the show notes for today's podcast. Of course, one of the big news stories this week is how some of the peaceful protests have turned into a more violent situation with rioting and looting and some of those some of that makes the news and some of it doesn't and one of the areas that you may not have even heard of in the news that is one of the hardest hit communities in all of the usa is the north lawndale community in chicago so our next interview guest is someone very near and dear to me. He's my big brother, Michael Trout. He's the executive director of the Young Men's Educational Network, which is one of the finest inner city youth programs in Chicago. And he has been for over 28 years a resident of North Lawndale. Uh, so we turn it over to our interview with my big brother, Michael. Why do you think it's kind of hit the boiling point that it has right now. Well, mainly because of the graphic nature of the video. Uh, when you look at the civil rights movement, um, you know, the people that were standing on the side demanding civil rights in the 1960s had justice on their side. They were standing on the moral right side um, in the same way that the people who have been decrying police brutality um, and unjust judicial system, um, that there has not been fair treatment based on race, uh, even based on class. Um, They've they've been very clear that the system is against them, not working for them. But but words can be easily dismissed. And what truly separated this moment in history is the graphic nature of the video and the impotence of the people on the sideline to be able to do anything about it to prevent this man from being killed. People have been saying in the Black community for decades longer, listen, police are using excessive force. I'm, I'm nervous every time a cop pulls me over. Um, situations escalate so quickly, so easily. 
um, there's, you know, beatings and imprisonments. And I don't, I don't know, you know, you can go back to Sandra Bland, who was, you know, incarcerated and then found dead in her jail cell. And no one really knows what happens. Like, there's all of these understandable stories of um, people that are, are fearful of the very people that are called to serve and protect. And this was a mainstream example of everything that has gone wrong with our system. And because it was a 10 minute video um, with people on the sidelines saying all the right things to speak a moral consciousness into this police officer, um, and yet they were not able to save this man's life unless they themselves did something violent. Uh, I think all of us put ourselves into the shoes of the people on the sidelines saying, what would we do in that given situation? And we have uh, unbelievable sympathy now. And we realize we're, we're our consciousness, we're awakened to the fact that, no, this is a systemic problem. This is not one rogue cop. You know, you have four, four police officers that are, that are complicit in the death of this man. And we saw it in Chicago with the um, shooting 16 times of Laquan McDonald. And not only was he killed by being shot 16 times by an officer who arrived on the scene um, four seconds earlier, then there was a cover-up, a police cover-up, and a lack of accountability. And the video, they tried to hide the video. And then a year later, when the video finally was released to the public, there were outcries and national protests against that death as well. So what we're realizing is that it's more frequent than we think, um, it's more systemic than we think, and that um, it, is, it is imperative, and we're, we're glad that the police now have the body cameras, but it's imperative that we ourselves as citizens help hold accountable those that have the badge. Um, so thank God there was someone on the sideline that was videoing the incident or we might still not be aware um, on a national scale of what the police brutality ultimately is for the black community. Now, one of the things that you told me that I had no clue that you don't see this on the news, you don't really hear about it on the news, is that at least uh, some of the uh, early evidence that you have seen and have heard of in the community is that is that the the first wave of rioting and looting seems to have come from outside of the community. Can you describe that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, our family was involved in some initial protests that took place both in the community. And then we were involved with some protests that took place downtown on last Saturday. Um, but uh, because those protests turned violent. In other words, police cars were flipped over. Some of them were set on fire. There were things being thrown at police officers. There were some stores downtown that were, the windows were smashed out and there was some looting that took place. Um, one of the things that the mayor, Mayor Lightfoot did, and I, I have a lot of respect for Lori Lightfoot as our mayor, but one of the things she did was she shut down the downtown corridor. She blocked all um, uh, entrance ramps, exit ramps, streets traveling to and from downtown. And you had to, to show that you lived in that downtown corridor or worked in that downtown corridor, even to be able to go into that. Well, we were having an, a, a huge number of people coming in from outside of Chicago 
that were part of the um, the chaos, um, part that were inst- instigators. And they've actually identified instigators on both sides of the equation, uh, instigators that are anarchists, that are trying to stir up trouble and trying to create chaos and disorder, and that's their intention to do so. And then we actually um, are aware of uh, white supremacists that came in as well and were part of the protests and they were trying to stir up racial hatred and racial division and strife. Um, And there were even police officers here in Chicago that were instigating particularly gang members and things like that to participate in a violent way. So there were people that were stirring the pot intentionally to um, take the protests that were about justice, Black Lives Matter, demanding police accountability, asking for less money to be put into policing and more into the social infrastructure of our communities. Those messages were lost if they could take it to more of a chaotic, violent, looting thing. So after downtown was closed, um, the people that were bent on doing this, and they were organized, they had, you know, 15 to 20 rented vehicles with, you know, darked out license plates. They began moving west, and some of them began moving south of the city, hitting neighborhood after neighborhood, starting in Pilsen, then moving to, you know, Bucktown, and then moving to um, Humble Park, and then moving to Lawndale. And you could actually track the wave of, of crime that was happening. These were people that were not from our neighborhood, and they would drive in in mass. They would hit a strip mall. They would break out every window and every door. They would put as much stuff as they could in their car, and they would speed off. Um, those are not people from the community. Then the community would walk by the strip mall and see that the shoe store or the clothing store was completely vandalized, was completely broken into, and it was a perfect storm of opportunity. You know, people are struggling because of the pandemic. They've lost wages. They've lost income. They're hurting financially. They've been locked up, locked away for 12 weeks. And so, you know, in their mind, which is understandable to me, they were saying, I need shoes. My wife needs shoes. My my kids need shoes. All these shoes are going to be taken anyway. So they were faced with that decision. Do I then go in and take shoes, take clothes, you know, for my family? And while, you know, on the surface, okay, it's wrong. Crime is wrong. Stealing is wrong. Um, I do have sympathy and understanding for those that are at that place where they have to make that decision. And they decide to go ahead and be opportunists and seize that moment. But um, those are the community people that, that, that are hurting our local businesses by doing that. But once again, these, it would not have happened had it not been for the instigators coming from the outside, you know, in the initial wave of disrespect and violence towards those businesses. And I think a common question that might be asked, especially by those of us that aren't inside those communities, is why are those businesses not getting police protection from those instigators? Um, you know, why, why are they fending for themselves? Hmm. You know, it's a good question. I mean, the, the, the level of protest was kind of unprecedented. Um, and I think the police made a decision early on, which I, I 
I can understand, which is we are not going to jeopardize our safety during this volatile time by standing between these thieves and these vigilantes um, and property. Um, we're going to try to do what we can to protect people. We're going to try to do what we can to protect residences, but it is not it is not worth the risk to position ourselves between you know these people that are bent on stealing and um, a business that you know some people would say, well, hopefully they're insured. <laughs> hopefully they have the opportunity to rebuild. How do how does the white community posture itself in a way that's helpful? in a way that's constructive and in a way that doesn't get in the way of the progress that the black community is making? Excellent question. Um, because really the work, the real work of the Black Lives Matter movement and people that are asking for an examination and a reevaluation of the judicial system and how we operate in America, it's a white problem. Um, it is, institutions that are steeped in white supremacy and white privilege um, that be, have become the social norms in our country. What does it mean to be American? Well, we think what it means to be American essentially is, is white culture. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I compare it to, I do a lot of uh, a gardening right now, and part of gardening is weeding. Um, and we know how tenacious weeds can be and how the roots can dig very deep down and hold on with everything they got, right? It takes a lot of effort to pull some of those mature weeds out of the ground. And um, sometimes you have to actually get out a shovel and you have to break the ground around the weed to free it from its grip. Um, and that's what we see in our country happening right now. The ground is being broken around some of those weeds that need to be uprooted. Uh, and as Christians, these are things, you know, the uprooting of the weed is, is, is steeped in scripture. You know, it's, it's loving what is sincere. It's hating what is evil. It's clinging to what is good. It's being devoted to each other in love where we honor one another above ourselves. And these are things that just roll off of our tongue as Christians, but it's things that how, how do we apply that across race? How do we honor someone above ourselves? How do we not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good? And these are incredible challenges of our time. I would say the first step is we need to educate ourselves. Um, we feel emotional empathy towards Black people being discriminated against. But do we really know the level to which they've been discriminated against, um, the number of years they've been discriminated against, the number of centuries, how America's original sin of what we did to the Native Americans and what we did to Africans to build the foundation of this country has morphed into so many other social and political messages, but still exists to this day. So I think the first thing we need to do is we need to read things and educate ourselves about some uncomfortable subjects that we haven't really, you know, um, entertained. So that's step number one is to really educate ourselves, um, read books written by black authors, 
and once you do that, I think what you'll find is you'll find that you want to lean in to black relationships um, because you educate yourselves on what, what the facts are um, and then you immediately want to uh, embrace the relational side of this struggle. And so what does it mean to, you know, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry as we lean in towards African Americans or black and brown issues um, and suspend our judgment to really seek to understand before, you know, we want to be understood. Yeah, that's great. Um, all right, so my final little curveball for you. Does a particular artist or song come to mind that you think um, is a poignant soundtrack for us this week? Well, I love Tamala Man, Take Me to the King. What I need more in my life is just the calm and the peace that come from returning back to the basics of faith. You know, the, the, the situations are so complex that the way forward is actually returning to um, the very core of what our faith means, to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves. Awesome. All right. Thank you, brother. Thank you for being on the show, too. Well, thanks for having me. Take me to the king. I don't have much to bring. My heart is torn in pieces, it's my offering, take me to the King. Truth is I'm tired, options are few, I'm trying to pray, but where are you? I'm all church down, hurt and abused. I can't fake what's left to do. Come, truth is, I'm weak, no strength to fight, no tears to cry. Even if I tried, but still my soul refuses to die. Mm-hmm. One touch will change my life. Take me to the king. I don't have much to
don't have much to bring. My heart's torn to pieces. It's my offering. What a way to end this Celebrating Black Lives special from UTR Media. Take Me to the King. That is Tamala Man featuring Kirk Franklin, and you can find it on the album Best Days. Uh, thanks to my older brother, Michael, for joining us as a guest. Uh, that was so fun to interview him. And, and we actually did a video Zoom interview, and uh, we only aired a portion of it here on the podcast. Uh, I think we played about 15 minutes of our interview, and the, the full-length interview is about 35 minutes, and so it might be worth checking it out. We are going to put a link in our show notes to the YouTube video so you can watch the full interview with Michael Trout, or you can also watch the full interview with Royce Lovett, who we heard in the first half of this podcast. Um, and uh, we're so thrilled that they all could join us. Also, thanks to Justin Gray for sharing his new song with us as well. Um, and by the way, my brother Michael, he uh, in our interview, he shares a little bit more about the history of North Lawndale, where he lives, and he gives specific resources, like specific book titles to check out too. So if you're looking for practical resources, um, definitely watch our YouTube full-length interview. The nonprofit organization that my brother founded is called the Young Men's Educational Network, also known as YMEN. And uh, we are going to point you to their website on the show notes. Uh, because if you're looking for an organization to support that uh, is really in a life-on-life -life kind of way, uh, investing into uh, making a difference in, uh, in the black community, in the lives of inner city, uh, maybe even turning around some of the statistics that we read about, why um, men is doing a fabulous job. And I, I maybe I'm a little bit biased because I support it and my brother founded it, but um, they've been doing it for 25 years and um, have an incredible track record of just pouring their lives into uh, North Lawndale community and, and making a huge difference. And there's a lot of work now to be done in North Lawndale. Uh, Wyman wants to be a part of helping the community to rebuild, not only after the pandemic, but now after all the, the looting and rioting and stuff. So um, they're just doing great work. I would encourage you to check it out. And if you're looking for a cause to support that aligns with this, that is a great one. So the link is in the show notes. Uh, and we're not going to point you to the, the actual giving towards UTR Media, but we do want to say a thank you 
to our support team as well as our sponsors because we couldn't be doing what we're doing in ministry. We wouldn't have the resources to even create a show like this. So thank you, friends, if you are on our support team. We couldn't be here without you. I'm Dave Trout, and this podcast has been a production of UTR Media, an independent, listener-supported, nonprofit ministry in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and online at utrmedia.org.